It is such an honor to be in the presence of the Lord with you all this morning, my brothers and sisters. And I'm especially grateful that uh, the Lord has led us to a study of women of faith from the Bible. Um, you'll find out a little bit more about the woman that we are studying this morning, but uh, a few days ago, what was it? Two, not even two weeks, a week and a half ago, did any of you watch the coronation of King Charles III? Right? Big deal. Big deal. And in Britain and even around the world, people tuned in from so many countries to see the new king and his queen, Camilla, uh, coronated and, and officially recognized as the, as the sovereign over, uh, the, I guess it's not the United Kingdom anymore, but Great Britain. And it was such a fascinating ordeal. I, I kind of missed the first half of it, but saw a lot of the second half, which was a lot of singing, a lot of, a lot of really good hymns of faith, actually, if you can believe it. Of course, I'm not so sure that they were doing it as a um, uh, from a heart of worship as much as a uh, special performance for the celebration. But in any case, it's always a good thing when um, when the truth of God is proclaimed in song, um, in, in the spoken word. And as I looked at the different details of the coronation, one thing that stood out was St. Edward's crown, the crown that that um, the, what is it? The king wears only for the coronation. And never again because they have so many crown jewels they can pick all different kinds of crowns but that crown is just specific for the coronation and I did a little more research into these crown jewels because you hear about them but my goodness they are the most precious treasure one of the most precious treasures in the world they're part of a royal collection held in trust by the monarch for the nation comprising over a hundred objects over 23,000 gemstones Truly, the crown jewels are priceless. But then you add on to that the cultural and the symbolic uh, value of these gems to the country and to the world. Truly an, an, an awe-inspiring collection. And yet, did you know that God encourages us to value someone even way over and above all of the riches of the crown jewels? Even over all of the riches in the world and in this women of faith series this morning we're looking at a woman that does not have a name because lord willing you and i will take a look at her life and her character and say by god's grace i want to be a person of faith like that the bible says in proverbs 31 10 an excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels, more rare, more priceless, and her impact lasts so much longer. Now, remember, God is not overstating here. God can use hyperbole, but that's not what he's doing here. He lives in a city made out of gold and precious stones, diamonds or emeralds so clear it's as glass. And what's he saying? He's saying that we should praise and treasure women who live a worthy life. It's more valuable than any set of gems. Because this morning, as we look at the character of this woman, we're going to see the character of a woman of God. How she shines beautifully in the areas of her life. And it's not just wives or mothers 
that scripture is addressing, even though it says an excellent wife, because you'll see throughout her life description, this is something that should be characteristic for a believer. A fully devoted follower of Jesus can learn much from the Proverbs 31 woman. And God gives us all an example of how to live a worthy life. So I invite you to turn with me to Proverbs 31. If you have a phone, you can do a quick Google search. We'll be specifically in Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31. Now, Proverbs, just for background, it's a collection of wise sayings. It's a book of how to live and how do we conduct ourselves. And it should be read accordingly. Every single verse shouldn't be taken as this is... Oh, this is the, the bedrock, absolutely guaranteed truth. If you work hard, you will, you will be wealthy. You know, that kind of mentality. If this, then that. No, the, the Proverbs more speak of the practical way of living. We should know that. And, and I know you mothers especially know when you're raising little ones and you teach them something and you remind them of something, what do they say back to you? I already know that, Mom. I already know that, Grandma. I already know that, lady. I already know, okay? And so you can come to the book of Proverbs and say, well, I already know all of these things. It's not the point of Proverbs. Yes, you may know something, but Proverbs tells us what do we do with that knowledge? How do we live it out? The question of how we live our life is imperative in the book of Proverbs. And in Proverbs 1-7, we're given the theme of the whole book, and this is the theme for this passage in Proverbs 31. You ready for it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You want to gain knowledge, and with knowledge, understanding, and with understanding, wise living, we start with the fear of the Lord. And as we come to chapter 31, this is the last chapter in the book. And it was interesting, as I, as I did study, and I talked to Pastor Dennis about this before, about you know, who, who is the author. At the beginning of Proverbs 31, it talks about a king, Lemuel, and his mother is teaching him things. Well, I found out that verses 10 through 31 actually were not originally a part of chapter 31 in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. It comes from chapter 24, but it was moved to chapter 31, apparently, because you'll see at the beginning of chapter 31, his mother is saying, stay away from loose women and stay away from drunken behavior and alcohol. Don't love alcohol. But what you should look for is someone who is living a worthy life. There's a, a comparison and a contrast going on here. And I believe that's why it was relocated to 31, because it's some wise sayings that fit that context. And this chapter actually forms a poem and i'm not going to try to, to read poetry to you today i'm not that talented but in the hebrew it was actually a poetic form and every verse starts with a letter of the greek out or the hebrew alphabet from if you're talking in english from a to z or in hebrew from aleph to tav so what, what the writer is saying here is here's a woman who's living a worthy life from A to Z. In every part of her life, she is devoted to the Lord and following his way. For sake of time, I'm not going to read every single verse because some of them do run together. I'll, I'll choose some selections here. We'll start with verses 10 through 13. An excellent wife who can find 
She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Thank God for that. <laughs> she seeks wool and flax, and she works with willing hands. Down to verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. And with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. Verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. Verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Verse 28. Her children rise up. They call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. Here's our takeaway. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. This morning, Living Hope Church, I see three reasons in this text why we should treasure and praise women who live a worthy life, the child of God. First of all, I've said it before, I'll say it again. A worthy woman fears the Lord. Beauty is vain. Charm is deceitful. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's not an afterthought at the end of this passage. This is what it's all going towards. The, the writer is not just oh, uh, this random thing. Oh, yeah, this is kind of wisdom. Let me say, oh, this uh, wise woman probably does this. No, a woman has a foundation of her life resting on the promises of God and on the character of God. And that relationship with God is an anchor for every part of her life. Do you see that? When you look through, we're talking about business. We're talking about finances. We're talking about children and husband. And that's why you can see it's an application for all women, men too. Is faith in God, fearing the Lord, your foundation? I would say love and respect for God is the foundation to every aspect of our life. That, that's where it begins. And sadly, we live in a culture where everyone is trying to seek out respect for themselves. And we're told to do that. We're told. Go earn your stripes. Go earn your respect and make people turn their heads and notice you. It's graduation season. I'm one of those graduates. And, and it's easy to say, oh, look, you know, look at those graduates or look at those doctors. Look at the titles. Look at the awards that they get. Just easy to let that pride fester. But, you know, when we try to make people respect us and we try to impress people, don't be surprised when they don't stay impressed with you for long. And we shouldn't want them to stay impressed with us. We should want our life to be a reflection of how impressive our God is. And how wise and caring and loving he is. Pride is so ridiculous. Who do we think that we are? And, and mothers and women, we honor you today. And we hope that you feel comfortable being here who you are. Bring your weaknesses, your failures, your struggles and let others encourage you and lift you up. You don't have to come in that door trying to prove yourself to anyone. God made you. He knows you. He loves you. And he is working in you for your good and for his glory. Pride doesn't belong here. 
And that's the leading philosophy of our age. Radical feminism. You don't need to submit yourself to anybody. Certainly not to God or that old outdated Bible thing. Women, you shake off those shackles and you, you step forward and you make a name for yourself. They say if you do that, you'll find liberation. But what they haven't realized themselves because they're blind to it is you're actually enslaving yourself. You're still enslaved to the pride of your own heart and you're enslaved to the opinions of man. You're trying to break free from the mold. But scripture actually tells us to be free is to submit yourself to God. He's over everything. And when you're in a right relationship with him, everything else falls into place. Whether people respect you or not, whether you get that pay increase or not, you are equally valued and loved by God. And until we admit we are not God, we are sinful people, Lord, we need you, that is the beginning of wisdom. That is where freedom is found. That's where grace is found. And just to remind us all, Romans 3.10 says, No one of us is righteous. And because we are unrighteous, we are not living the potential that God has put in place for us. That's why he created us. So there is a, a lessness of worth, or it's a worthless life to be lived apart from God. And, and Romans 3.18 says, This is because there's no fear of God before our eyes that's our heart condition we're born that way male and female we're all fallen sinners we all needed jesus to come and first corinthians 1 24 says jesus is the wisdom of god he lived a perfect life he obeyed the father completely he didn't make any mistakes did he stub his toe did he uh did he get a splinter in his hand yes he was human just like you and i but he was completely obedient to the will of the Father. And when we come to faith in Jesus, we now live in a state of fearing God rather than man or, or my own pride. The gospel is our foundation for everything. And that's something that the, the writer of Proverbs did not have in his day, but we do. With the completed word of God, we have the entire gospel laid out for us. We know who our Savior is. He has come near, and he's lived among us. He died for us, and he rose from the dead, and he's coming back, and his name is Jesus. He is our wisdom. So when we say we want to be fully devoted to Jesus, we want to follow his way, what are we saying? We want to walk in wisdom. It's the most valuable thing. He is our treasure. And when we see him in the faith of a woman, that is so precious. We praise God that he is working among our women. We pray that he will continue to work among us men. And I try to think of some, some examples of uh, what, what's an impact of, if you fear God, how does that change your day-to-day -day life? Well, here's an example. Uh, too much of our world today treats children as a nuisance. You know, who wants to have kids? What a hassle. They disrupt your career. They disrupt your plans. They're expensive. They're messy. Oh, if you have to have a kid, I guess, you know, you could get a sitter or something. And then you keep pursuing your career and you can come home to your kid at the end of the night. And they're just treated as a byproduct of a woman getting what she wants out of life. But a woman who fears God, every life matters to God. This child is a gift from the father. And you know what, ladies? 
God gave that child to you for a reason. For the good of that child and for your good as well. Not to be a hindrance and a burden to you. But as a way for you to shine the love of Jesus forth in that relationship. And one day you will give an account to God for your parenting. And by God's grace, it will be a sweet account. You love that child and you care for them. You set them up for success. It's not hard for me to think about positive examples of mothers in my life. I was raised by one. And I honor her today for all of her sacrifice and giving to me. I would not be where I am today. If it wasn't for my mother and my father setting that example for me. And I also honor my wife. I see that example in her, how she raises our children. What a joy it is for me to see that. I was raised never missing a Sunday worship service. It'd be weird for me to just, I don't feel like going to church today. If my mom found out, let me tell you. <laughs> my mother fears the Lord. And I fear my mother and I fear the Lord. So I'll be in church on Sunday, okay? But I think that's a principle that applies in every area of life. If you're a student, if you're an employee, do you work because people are watching you? Or do you work because you want people to see God at work in you? It's a stewardship. I work for his glory. I work for his kingdom. Look to the woman of faith to teach us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I look at our small but growing church. And I look around and I just see these shining gems. And I know we're going places. You know why? You know why. Because you all are priceless. In God's sight and in ours. And you're going to shine brighter and brighter. And our community is going to see that. And we're going to see growth. Because you're the right kind of people. Loving people the right way. Giving your lives. We might move locations. We might have different setup and tear down. But you know what? The city cannot ignore the shining example of a devoted Christ follower. So pray for these women. Thank God for these women. Appreciate these women. Secondly, we see a worthy woman invest her life into others. She's a funnel, a human funnel, so to speak. I've heard it once said that the fruit of mothers grows on the trees of her children. The fruit of a mother grows on the trees of her children. Like everything that you have, a worthy life has been invested into others, whether your children, whether your, your spouse, whether it's uh, other family members or, or neighbors, others. Look at verse 11. It says, her husband trusts in her. He will have no lack of gain. What is it saying? It's saying that this worthy woman, she's also a woman of integrity. She's trustworthy. She's dependable. She is honest. And she is a rock in that moral foundation. She's not going to be a liar or a deceiver. She's not going to sit at home all day and, and rack up $10,000 on credit cards on Amazon. And the husband comes home and like, what just happened to our savings? I bought a new truck. You know, they just, what, that, what kind of an integrity is that? Can I trust you? And, and a, a woman of honor does not betray trust. She does not spread secrets or gossip. I have a, a funny story of one time that a lady pocket dialed me. Just so happened she was gossiping about me. When she pocket dialed me, <laughs> I didn't realize it at first. I'm like, hey, how you doing? That sounds like she's not talking. She's talking about me, but she's not talking to me. 
And then I hear what she really thinks about something that I've done recently. This is interesting. Do you think my trust in her grew or shrunk? I don't think I'm going to go to her with as many needs or concerns as I did before. She's not trustworthy. But a woman of wisdom is trustworthy. She doesn't spend all of her time sitting around in idle talk and gossip. She's busy doing and helping others, which allows, if she's married, her husband can go and can, can work and can help. Now, that doesn't mean that, oh, God expects all women to just stay at home and you cook in the kitchen and you don't do anything. No, you're going to see in the whole rest of the chapter, this woman is busy. She's probably got a fuller schedule than her husband, no doubt about it. But why is he able to go out the door in confidence every day? It's because he's got a strong woman at his side and he can trust in her when he can confide in her he can do anything that god calls him to verse 23 we see her husband sitting in the gate with the elders he's respected people seek out his counsel and his wisdom for decisions that are made that are going to affect the whole village now hold on a second i i know what's going on here okay again god is putting men over women in their value why does he get the place of prominence in the gate and not her that's a really good question and i think this <clears throat> this hypothetical woman who's hypothetically married and her hypothetical husband is recognized and admired in the village i think she doesn't want a seat at the gate in that culture you know she might not have been invited to that seat. But I think a, a woman of wisdom, she's not seeking titles. She's not seeking to, to sit in that seat of prominence. She is too busy serving and equipping and leading by example to worry about whether someone recognizes her or not. And because she does her job so well, people look at her husband and say, wow, he's really got things together. Don't we, ladies? We know who's working for his good that keeps him organized and together and adjusts his tie and, and, and helps him in every area of life because they're partners. Sometimes people get recognized for the work that you've done and you don't get the appreciation. And I think it's important for all of you to know God sees exactly what you're doing and he loves you. And he values you and he is going to bless you it might not be with the title it might not be with with some of the fame that some people get but god sees you child of god he sees you sister of faith and when you lead by example well others thrive in their lives it's such a beautiful thing from the beginning when god made man and woman she was called a helper a companion we literally can't do nothing without women. You make the world go round. And we're so grateful for your life and your example. Trust that God rewards you as you invest your life into others. And because you have such a strong grip on home, and this, this hypothetical lady has a strong grip on home, she's able to open her hand in generosity to others. See that verse 20? She opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy because she is fully aware of the financial situation of their home, 
how the business is doing, that the family is taken care of. You see that in verse 21. And wait, well, what about the kids? Is she providing for her kids? Is she providing for the household? Oh, don't worry. She's, she's not losing any sleep. Her kids are clothed. They have shoes on their feet. There's food on the table. And that's why she's able to be compassionate towards others because God provides. He provides for us. Let me provide for you. I love that. I love the generosity because there's wisdom in generosity. This is not an addition to the Christian life. Oh, by the way, if, if, if you find it convenient, be generous. It's a way of life. A worthy woman is a funnel, even to the needy. She can't help everyone, but for sure her family's going to be cared for. And as God gives her opportunity, she will, she will serve and help others as well. And we see because she invests in others, look what happens. Verse 28, her children rise up and they call her blessed. Her husband rises up and he praises her. Now there's a Jewish tradition when they celebrate uh, the Sabbath, Shabbat, they have these meals, it's three big meals over the weekend if they're, if they're Orthodox Jews. And the tradition is that the Jewish men will sing Proverbs 31 over their wives. They take that literally. I will sing a song of praise over my wife. And you know what? I think men, I think we need to take care that we do that more often. Don't take our women for granted. And I know I struggle with this like anybody else. But God's grace is sufficient for me too. Let's sing over our women. Let's praise them. They do so much without being asked. We should be able to respond in praise without being asked. Right? There's harmony in the home. There's strength in community because women invest in others. And it's a good reminder for all of us that the relationships we invest in, the people that we serve, the disciples that we make, that's what's going to last for eternity. It's not going to be, well, what was your job on earth? And, and how much money did you have in the account at the end of your life? And uh, what buildings were named after you? No one's going to care about that when we stand before our king. You know what you will care about? The people who are there around the throne of Jesus from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Because you chose to invest in others the love that God gave to you. That's just wisdom. We're numbering our days. I only have so many days left. I want to make an impact for the kingdom. I want to invest in others. The wise woman is already doing it. Let's learn from her example. Let's put that into faith as well. And by the way, do you get the feeling yet that this woman is just perfect and doesn't do anything wrong? And none of us can ever measure up to this? Because I feel that looking at this example. How in the world am I going to measure up to this? Don't forget point number one. Do you fear the Lord? Do you love him? Do you know him? Trust him. He will help you accomplish all that he puts in front of you. You don't have to be the perfect woman, and you won't be. But you can be a grace-filled woman. You can be a woman who fears the Lord. Men, we can be men who fear the Lord. So to apply that point, I would say we need to be trustworthy. So don't make promises you don't plan on keeping. Don't break trust with someone who's confiding in you. Because, by the way, if we're here to invest in others, who are we to break their trust and to betray them and to turn our backs on them? Jesus said, I came to seek, to serve, and to save. So when we make disciples, we're open-handed. I don't get to determine the path of that person I'm discipling. It's in God's hands. 
We're just called to invest and to love and serve them. What about our mom and kids outreach that we're striving to do on July 12th? What will their response be? Will they be grateful? Will they come to our church? Will they allow us to pour into them more? I hope and I pray for that. And we should strive for that. But we're going to serve them regardless. Because that's who God's called us to be. That's why we're here. We're called to invest in others. And third and finally, a worthy woman's work speaks for itself. Say that five times fast. A worthy woman's work speaks for itself. She is a hard worker. She is an entrepreneur. Don't get the wrong idea that, like I said before, oh, I'm supposed to sit at the couch, I'll make some bread, and I'll wait for my husband to come home. Oh, man, she was up before everybody else. Verse 13, she's seeking the wool and the flax. She is working on the clothing. She's working on the blankets. She's working with willing hands. She's gathering materials, and she knows what to do with them. She's a harvester. She's a forester. And look at verse 16. She buys a field. Wait a minute. Did she talk to her husband about that before she bought it? <laughs> I'm assuming yes. Because if, if the husband bought a field without telling his wife, that would not be good. So I, I'm sure they had a conversation about it. But I think that's so awesome. Because her husband trusts in her. She can go buy that field. I trust her. She's got an eye to see if this is a good investment or not. Because later in that verse, it says, with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. So she's an investor. And when you see the return on your investment from your hard work, then you're able to do something like plant a vineyard, which all through the Old Testament, a vineyard is a symbol of, of, of uh, celebration, of a good harvest. This is the fruit that you benefit from after your labor. So she's labored, and she's seen return on investment, and then she plants a vineyard, which will bring even more prosperity and joy to her family and those in her life. She invests in others, and when she does that, God takes care of the blessing. The work speaks for itself. She doesn't have to go around and toot her own horn. Look at what I've done. Look at the return on my investment. God takes care of that. And there's celebration, and there's fruit. She can dress herself with strength and make her arms strong in verse 17. Verse 31 says again, give her of the fruit of her hands. And then it adds this, let her works praise her in the gates. Let her works praise her in the gates. Do you remember who is meeting in the gates from earlier? The elders are meeting in the gates. That's where decisions are made. That's where, you know, this is the seat of power and prominence. Do you know her name is mentioned in the gates? She might not have a seat at the gate, but people are talking about the good that she has done with her hands. You see that in the story of Ruth and Boaz. Word gets around. Did you hear about that lady Ruth? She's a Moabite, but do you see the kindness and the love she's showing to her mother-in-law? I mean... Just getting along with your mother-in-law. Well, that's one thing. But she's actually caring for her mother-in-law. And she's from Moab. What? The word got around. Her loving example was the talk of the town. And ladies, would we let that be enough for us? Do you believe that God will bless with the increase? You keep being faithful to the Lord. You do what he's called you to do. You work with all of your might to what he's put in front of you, whether it's 
caring for a little one and changing a diaper, whether it's working with pottery, whether it's selling real estate, whether it's mentoring younger women, whether it's taking care of the house, whether it's starting a business, in whatever area of life, you work for the glory of God and you entrust the fruit to him. He's always good for it. There will always be a fruitful harvest for those who give in the strength of their hands. You'll be praised in the gates, but even if you weren't, you'll be praised in the heavenly gates, and that is enough. That's not after perfection. It's after a willing servant who worked hard for his glory. Now, as you read over this passage, as you listen to what does a worthy woman do? Does it make you think about how I can order my life a little bit differently to align with God's plan for me? How can I love him more with all my heart? How can I work for the glory of God and the good of others? Am I taking the time to be grateful for the little fruit that I'm seeing? God will give more, but am I thankful for what he's given me today? If I'm not thankful for today, Am I really going to be thankful tomorrow or the day after? Gratitude is an attitude of the heart. It's not a result. You are loved. You are valuable in the sight of God. You don't need people's applause. I'm reminded of the story of this amazing woman of faith. Her name, her name is Joni Erickson Tata. And Joni was diving at the age of 17 in a pool. And unfortunately, she dove too sharply. She hit her head on the bottom of the pool. She was paralyzed. She became a quadriplegic at the age of 17. Can you imagine? So from the shoulders down, paralyzed. Now, our world today would almost immediately begin talking about quality of life. And maybe she should determine if her life is still worth living and you know, we get into all of this just because she lost the use of her hands and her feet. Now we're questioning the value of her life. Or maybe she should question the value of her life. It's sickening. It's disgusting. And after she worked through her, her bitterness and her struggles, and, and just like any of us would, what is God doing through this? She began to paint with her mouth. She put a brush in her mouth, and she learned to paint. And you can Google some of her works. Incredible masterpieces. Those brush strokes. And then she used her platform of the wheelchair to share her faith and testimony with others. And that resonated with people. And more people asked her to speak. And then she was writing books with her mouth. She, they figured out a device that she could write with her mouth. And to this day, she has impacted millions of people for the glory of God because she was willing to use what she had, her mouth, to serve others and invest in them. And the fruit was there. So we don't ever question our value on, well, how strong are you? What businesses have you started? How many people follow you on Instagram? We measure your value by who you are in Christ. You are valuable. And if you work with that mindset, you work for your king, you get his thumbs up and his praise, you will have a fruitful life. You'll be blessed. It will come, and you will be rewarded. So as we conclude, 
I'd like us to, to consider one question. Coming into the worship today, what do we value the most? What do we value the most? Is it a, a crown jewel scenario? Is it that, that promotion at work? Is it that people will finally give you the respect that you deserve? Or do we see a valuable, precious God who is worthy of all worship and created us to know him and love him and to represent him in our relationships to others, to walk in wisdom because that's to walk like Jesus. And as our mindset shifts, this morning may I invite us to fall in worship at the feet of Jesus, the only worthy one, and in whom we all find our worth today. And as we worship at the feet of Jesus, and our heads are, are bowed down, and we're just, we're just thinking of how blessed we are to be in a relationship with Christ, to know the king of the universe. How does that change how I relate to others today? Am I expecting or waiting for people to come invest in me, to do for me what I think is right? Or am I busy serving my king and investing in the lives of others? Am I celebrating those who are walking in wisdom? Am I taking the time to celebrate the good I see in others that points me to Jesus? When's the last time you stopped someone just to offer them an encouraging word? I know, we think we encourage a lot, but you never know when that word spoken at just the right time, or that verse offered on your, your Facebook, or that text to a friend at just the right time, can be the good news that someone needs in a really hard week. Don't underestimate the value of an encouraging word. And ladies of faith, hear me. We love you. And we give thanks for you and your lives today. And if you're here this morning and you feel, wow, I just I don't measure anywhere up. I don't measure anywhere up to that Proverbs 31 one. Who could? Just remember, Jesus has already walked that way for us. Follow him. He will guide you. He will be your wisdom. He will be your strength. If you're here this morning, you're feeling so discouraged and exhausted, and, and you're thinking, I'm just pouring myself into others 24-7, and I never see anything come back. What's the point? I hope you're encouraged this morning that God knows, He sees, and He is faithful to reward. Men, may we hear this passage today and not think that that somehow we have just arrived at this life of wisdom ourselves, but we must lean humbly on Jesus. We do not use our name or our status or our strength to, to better ourselves. We use our roles to build up and support and lead and encourage others towards Jesus. And Lord, we come before you from different places, but with the same need. We need the same Savior, Jesus Christ.